Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. When speaking about the Lord Jesus in today's culture and Christianity today, when speaking about him, normally we just get right to the point. Normally we just go right for the biggest description that we can think of about the Lord Jesus, and that usually is that Jesus is God, that he is God. Now, it's difficult for people to generally accept that an individual or a person can be God. In fact, within the Jewish circles of influence that I've been a part of throughout my life, it has been a great source of debate, because certainly we cannot claim that any person is God, any person here on earth. I believe, therefore, that a better description of this is to say that our God decided to manifest in the flesh and dwell among us as a person and took upon himself the name Jesus. He worked, he lived, he ate, he slept, he was actively involved in our lives, and that the person, the Lord Jesus, who was here on earth, was actually God who decided to come and live among us for a short period of time. I believe that that is a better way of describing Jesus as God in order to avoid a lot of confusion and in order to avoid a lot of debates that you would otherwise find yourself engaged in. But either way, whenever we think about the Lord Jesus, we normally just go right for that and think about him in that context. But the Lord Jesus presented himself, our God presented Jesus in several different ways. Not just as himself, not just as the living God manifested in the flesh, but he also presented himself in other ways, in other contexts, in order to describe himself in pieces so that we can understand the fullness of who he is, or at least a part of the fullness of who he is. We certainly will never be able to comprehend the totality of who he is. But he has revealed himself in small ways and in small pieces that we can assemble collectively together in a way that we can have a better understanding of who he is as a whole. For example, when he was here on earth, he revealed himself as a prophet. When he was functioning in his ministry, he was often looked upon as a prophet. He was spoken of in the scriptures as a prophet. A prophet would come. Now that he's in heaven, according to the writer of the letter to the Hebrews, he is identified as a priest, where he's functioning as a priest today after his resurrection. And we can also understand through many of the prophecies that we anticipate will soon be fulfilled that he also reveals himself as a king, as the messianic king, and that is something that he will reveal when he returns here on earth at the appointed time. And so I sincerely believe that it's worthwhile to examine the Lord Jesus in these different contexts in order to have a better understanding of who he is, because he decided to reveal himself in these ways. He made the choice to reveal himself in these ways, and so I believe it is worth examining him in these ways, in these contexts, to see who he is from different perspectives. I do believe this is worthwhile, and for that reason I'm going to spend a couple of broadcasts, a few broadcasts, talking about the Lord Jesus first as a prophet, then as a priest, and then I will speak about him as our king. 
And I do sincerely believe that through examining him in these contexts, you will have a better appreciation for the salvation that you have and what he went through in order to provide you with the salvation that you do have, and also to have a better understanding of how he is interacting with the world that he has created. I'd like to begin in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 19, because here is the initial description given by Moses to the people about the Messiah who would eventually come. To appreciate this section in the scriptures, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 19, it's best to have a little bit of a background concerning the relationship between the Lord and his people. You see, the Lord sent Moses to Egypt in order to retrieve the children of Israel to get them out of Egypt and take them into the promised land. And the Lord sent Moses as his representative to go to Pharaoh, to speak to Pharaoh and demand that Pharaoh let the people go. And of course, he did not right away, at least after a few plagues, after the 10 plagues that the Lord executed on Egypt, then eventually the Pharaoh was willing to let the people go. But when he pulled the people out of Egypt, he brought them to a mountain in Arabia. This mountain has been well identified by several archaeologists, and so we we have a pretty good idea as to where this mountain is, and there seems to be more than enough archaeological evidence to suggest that this was actually the true mountain that the Lord came down upon to speak to the people as soon as they had arrived there in Arabia after their exodus from Egypt. When they were there, he personally came down, and we have the record of this in Exodus, that he came down and he personally spoke to the children of Israel. And what I mean by personally spoke is that he showed himself in a big cloud and with lightning and with fire, and then there was a voice that was audibly heard at a decibel level that didn't kill anybody or damage anybody's eardrum significantly, it appears. He spoke personally to the people, and there were approximately two and a half million people who were there at the base of the mountain hearing the living God speak to them. This was a major, significant emotional event for a lot of people. But many of the people were very concerned about the Lord speaking to them directly in that way. They were afraid, and so they spoke to Moses and said, Moses, we're not interested in hearing from God. We're afraid that we may die if we hear from him. And so we would like you to speak with the Lord and let him speak with you and tell you everything that he wants to tell us and then just come and tell us what he has to say. In other words, the Lord God himself personally showed up in front of all of the people that he set free and they effectively said to him, we don't want to hear from you. We don't want you to speak to us. That's what they were saying. I sincerely believe that that is what the Lord heard from the people when they asked Moses to be the intermediary between them and the living God. And I can't help but wonder how the Lord may have felt when that happened, when that's how the people responded to him, when he finally saw all these people that he called out to be his, and they rejected him in this way. I personally believe that this was a very significant event for the Lord, to have all these people reject him in that way. And so all he could do was go to the tabernacle to go and wait in the tent of meeting for Moses to have a few extra minutes considering all the things that he was doing. He had to wait. The Lord had to wait until Moses had some free time, it appeared. 
I don't believe that this is exactly how it worked out, but you can see it kind of happen in this way, in a similar context or in a similar way, to suggest that the only one who the Lord got to speak with after he pulled all these people out of Egypt was just Moses, that he had to sit in a tent, that he had to just simply be there and be by himself, except for once a year when Aaron would come in in order to present the offering for the Day of Atonement. But other than that, he'd have to wait until Moses had some free time when he wasn't being a judge over all the issues and all the concerns of all the people who were there. The Lord had to wait until Moses had some free time to come and have some time with him, to speak with him, where the Lord could tell him the things that he wanted to tell the people. That was what was going on. And because of this, the Lord took this situation, and he said that when the Messiah would come, effectively, this is what he was saying, that when the Messiah would come, that he would be the representative or a representative in a similar way that Moses was a representative. In other words, the people don't want to hear from God himself, so instead they want to hear from somebody else who is a representative of God. Instead of speaking with God directly or hearing from the Lord directly, the people did not want to hear from God. They wanted to hear from an intermediary, from someone else, from a priest, from a prophet, from somebody, anybody but the Lord. Now, of course, the New Covenant is very different. The New Covenant is a covenant that has been established in such a way that the living God can now have a personal interactive relationship with each one of his people, where he speaks to us and we speak to him and we hear what he has to say and he hears from us and we experience a personal, dynamic, interactive relationship with each other. But in the Old Covenant, as it was being established, it was not this way. It had never been this way. It never would be this way. And for those who continually try to live under the Old Covenant, it will never be this way for them either. In other words, they will never have a personal interactive relationship with the Lord. They will have to continually depend on others to live as intermediaries between them and God, other priests or other prophets or other ministers or other rabbis or whatever they want to call these people. They have to depend on someone else because they individually will never know their God. They will only be able to depend on somebody else who claims, and I use that word very carefully, claims to know the living God. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning in verse 15, it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from among your countrymen. You shall listen to him. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God in Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire any more, or I will die. The Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. These are the words of the Lord. There is a parallel passage in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, this is Acts chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, it says, Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brethren. To him you shall give heed, to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. 
I personally believe that that is a better description than what I have in this translation of Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 19, that the Lord said, I myself will require it of him. To have it required of you and to say that you will be utterly destroyed from among the people, I think is a better description of how the Lord would deal with this particular issue. And so the prophecy is very clear that the Lord would eventually send someone who would speak to the people as the people were only willing to hear from a prophet, not from the Lord their God. A very important point to understand. And that the Lord would put his words into the prophet's mouth, that he would tell the prophet exactly what he wanted to say and exactly what he wanted the people to hear. That's a very important point. Because the Lord Jesus, when he was conducting his ministry, that is exactly how he spoke to the people. He told them very clearly that his teaching was not his own, but it was the teaching of him who had sent him, referring to the living God. And this is found throughout the scriptures, especially in the Gospel of John. There are many references in John. For example, in John chapter 7, verse 16, that's John chapter 7, verse 16. John chapter 8, verse 28, that's John chapter 8, verse 28. Also in John chapter 12, verse 49 and 50, and chapter 14, verse 24, and chapter 17, verse 8. It's all over the scriptures. It's all over the place that the Lord Jesus himself said that his teaching was not his own, but it was the teaching that the Lord his God had gave him to give the people. And many of the people recognized that. They understood that. They saw that. They heard that. And they could tell that the teaching that was coming from the Lord Jesus was was nothing like anything they had heard before. In John chapter 7, verse 46, for example, some of the people said, Never has a man spoken in the way that this man speaks. People knew that. They understood that. They could tell that his teaching was quite unique, quite different, extraordinarily powerful. The only debate was then was, was it true? And of course, just because he says that it's true doesn't necessarily make it true. Just because he makes the claim that the teaching is not his own, but it is the teaching of him, the living God who had sent him, does not automatically mean that that is the true teaching of God. You have to evaluate the teaching. You have to examine the teaching. You have to consider it. You have to see whether or not it is true in accordance with all the things that we do already know. These are going to be some very important issues. Just his testimony alone would not be enough evidence, and it shouldn't be, and we shouldn't have to look to his own testimony as being the evidence. But in this context, it's important to understand that the Lord Jesus is being presented to the people as a prophet, not as the true living God who is the creator of all things, but just at this time, in this context, in this manner, he is being presented to the people. The Lord, our God, sent the Lord Jesus to be a prophet. That's how he sent him. Now, of course, to be a prophet, we have to define what that word means, because that word can mean lots of different things. The root word in Hebrew just simply means to boil up and pour forth. It just means that you're going to give what you have because you are compelled to do so, because you just simply can't help it, because it is within you and you have to let it out. And so in general, in this context, in the context of this word being used for a representative of God, we will normally say that this person is speaking under divine inspiration. 
that the divine has inspired them by giving them a particular message to give to the people, and they are speaking uncontrollably. And what I mean by that is that they just simply have to say it, not because their flesh is being controlled and manipulated by the Holy Spirit, but only because it is so important to them, it is so real to them. The revelation is so real to them that they have to proclaim it just simply because they do not want to turn away from the living God who has clearly revealed himself to them. And so they cannot speak in any other way but to speak in the way that the Lord told them to do so. Otherwise, they certainly don't want to have to answer the question that the Lord might ask of them one day, the question of, so why didn't you tell these people what I told you to tell them? What were you thinking? And the prophet might say, well, I just didn't feel like it. You know, that's not the kind of answer that a person is most likely going to give. And so in this context, we could look at a prophet as one through whom God speaks. Now, what he speaks is not necessarily important in this definition. It doesn't really matter what he says, whether it is a prophetic statement in the sense of a prediction of future events or whether it is a description of things that have happened in the past. In that sense, it doesn't really matter. We generally like to think of prophets as someone who is going to give a prediction concerning the future. That's how we normally like to think of a prophet. But according to the fundamental definition... It's not necessary for a prophet to give predictions of future events. It's not necessary, absolutely necessary, in order for him to fulfill this particular office. But we generally like to think of it that way because we certainly could take advantage of knowing about future events. I mean, if I knew what was going to happen in the marketplace tomorrow in terms of the valuation of certain things and how those valuations would be different from today, then I certainly, with that foreknowledge, I could certainly take advantage of that and make a significant amount of profit through trading from that kind of inside knowledge about what may happen in the future. Or to consider an exaggerated example, if I was to say that some country decided to launch an intercontinental ballistic missile and its target was going to be within reasonable proximity of my home, if I knew that that was going to happen tomorrow, I probably would not be anywhere near my house tomorrow. I would evacuate. So I could profit significantly from not being in that particular situation with the foreknowledge. And so because of that, people really do get excited quite often about prophecy about future events and about prophets who may give us some insights into what may happen in the future. If we knew that the Lord was going to return tomorrow, how would we live differently? In what way would we live differently? Who would we speak to that we would not have otherwise spoken to? And what would we speak to them about? Would we immediately call all the people that we know on the telephone or send them emails or letters or whatever and tell them that this is their last chance to accept the Lord? Well, why didn't we do that yesterday? Why didn't we do that last week? Why do we have to wait until an event such as this happens before we do that? And I think that the reason why is because we don't want to go before the Lord and say, yes, Lord, I knew you were coming uh, the next day, and so I just, just decided to finally uh, live in a way that would be Uh, more conducive to my faith. In other words, I would tell other people about you. If you're the most important thing in my life, then I should at least tell people about you. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't do it already, and that's my point, is that I personally, I personally live as though he may be here tomorrow, and if he's here tomorrow, as far as I'm concerned, that those people who are close to me or those people who I have access to, I think that they have more than enough evidence to make a decision in their own way 
according to what they believe as to whether or not they are going to believe in the true and living God and in the gospel. I believe that everyone has enough evidence for the most part, and those who the Lord has inspired and directed me to directly speak to, I have done. I have already done that, and if a new situation presents itself, I normally wait for an appropriate time in order to take advantage of a situation that seems to provide for a good opportunity to tell them about the Lord. People know that about me. There are lots of lost people that I interact with all the time, and they know They know that I am a Christian, and they know that I have some knowledge of God. They know that I know the scriptures. They know that I believe in this person named Jesus. If they want to know anything about him, they can ask me. But they don't ask me because they don't want to know. And I do my best to try to encourage them and inspire them to consider him when I can in a respectful way. But it still remains that they will be able to make their own decision and their own choice. And this is an important thing to recognize with all of the people that we interact with. So prophecy and prophets are a big deal because through foreknowledge and through foreunderstanding, through an advanced knowledge and understanding of people and places and events and things, through that we can normally benefit in some way, generally in our flesh, And, of course, what we would prefer would be in our spirit. But there has been plenty of prophecy that has been given, that has been revealed, that tells us an awful lot about the relationship that we have with our God through his spirit. And so through that, we have more than enough to go on concerning how we should live and how we can live in light of what he has done and in light of what he has said. And we can live a life of dependency and trust in him trusting even in those things that we do not understand, that if there was something that he wants us to understand, he would clearly reveal them to us. So I'm going to first consider the Lord Jesus as a prophet. And when we think about a prophet, we're normally thinking about the predictions that he has made. And so that's what I'm going to spend some time talking about. I will spend some time talking about the Lord Jesus as a prophet who has made some very distinct predictions And there are predictions that he has made, that he did make, that did come true. And, of course, there are some predictions that have not yet come true. And so those are the two categories that I'm going to divide this up into. The first category being the predictions that he made that are true. And the second category, the predictions that he has made that have not yet come to pass. But I do believe that they are true as well. They just simply have not yet been fulfilled And we are now waiting for the revelation of those prophecies to eventually be fulfilled. To give you an example, consider probably the most important prophecy, or at least I believe this is the most important prophecy that the Lord Jesus gave concerning what would eventually come to pass that did come to pass. And that is that he prophesied about his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and the manner in which that would occur the manner in which his death would occur, and the manner in which his resurrection would occur, that he predicted that this would eventually happen. Now, of course, when we look at the scriptures, the scriptures, the Gospels, for example, were written as testimonies of what had happened already, of the events that had already occurred. And so a person could perhaps argue that the disciples only made this claim and made the claim that the Lord Jesus made these claims after these events unfolded. But again, I do believe that there is 
plenty of evidence to show that this was not their intent, that this was not the case. I, of course, am not going to use this broadcast in order to get into that kind of a discussion. But when it comes to this subject, I personally believe that the greatest evidence that convinces me is that the disciples were willing to die for what they had said. And I do not know of anyone who has ever died for something that they knew was an absolute lie, especially in this particular context. I believe that under penalty of death and the threat of pain and suffering that they would have conceded, and this would have been publicly revealed, that they were not telling the truth. But that certainly is not how things unfolded. And so considering that, I believe that that is more than enough evidence for us to go on to consider and recognize that what was recorded was true. And considering that, we should have confidence that given that the Lord Jesus said what would happen in advance, that when it was fulfilled, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. And regardless of what the prophecy is, in this case, it is a big deal for him to prophesy his death and, of course, his burial and resurrection, and for that to be realized, it certainly is a big deal. But regardless of how big it may be or or how small it may be in our own eyes, Regardless of that, the important thing to recognize is that he said that something would come to pass, and sure enough, it came to pass. He said something would happen, and then it happened. And if that's the case, then you should take him much more seriously than anyone else. You should take him very seriously, and you should also take everything that he had to say very seriously regardless of whether it was prophetic or not. I personally believe that in most cases, the prophecies that he is giving and the fulfillment of them has a lot to do with establishing the credibility of the prophet. And once that has been established, well, then the purpose of that is for you to take seriously everything else that the prophet had to say. The prophet was speaking on behalf of the living God, and the evidence of a prophecy coming true is evidence that what he told you through the prophet, beyond just the prophecies themselves, are things that you should hear, are things that you should believe, are things that you should trust in, and you should respond to the truth that has been revealed to you. As the Lord said through Moses, that when a prophet is raised up, who speaks on his behalf, you should hear him. And that's the point. The point of Jesus being recognized as a prophet is to say that we should hear him. And of course, now that he has been established as a prophet and he functions in our lives as a priest, we now do listen to him. But when it comes to the relationship that we have with Christ Jesus... For those of us who are born again, we now hear from our God directly, whereas others will still have to depend on some intermediary who God may graciously send, or may not, depending upon how he looks at the situation, because what he has done already is more than enough. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. 
that is livinggodministries.net.